Hello, 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 and welcome to episode number two of 360 Fails weekly podcast series called I Need a Timeout. My name is Marianne, and I will be your host today. I'm really glad you're joining me. Shout out to my listeners, because you guys are the reason I am doing this gig. If you like it, let somebody else know. And together, we can sit back and watch the healing goodness spread. By the way, big, big news, people. We're on Twitter. That's right. Find out what's happening in real time by following me at the 360 Fail Show. Maybe we can start having those actual conversations I talk about. It's exciting that I'll be able to start chatting with you guys. But if tweeting isn't your thing, I totally get you. So here's an email address so you can get a hold of me. You ready? 360fail.com at gmail.com. One more time. 360fail.com at gmail.com. Got it? Cool. All right. I think that's enough chit chat for the moment, and we should get on down to the real business of why you're listening to this podcast. We're going to talk about abuse. So I think by now more people are familiar with the constructs of what physical abuse is or physical misconduct can be towards another. So I won't spend much time here just yet. But how about abuse that you never see? The verbal, the emotional, the things that are said once you're safely inside your home, your school, your workplace, your social media, or your place of worship. Let's dissect the word abuse and everything we may think we know about the topic. This is the segment in which I give you the definition of the topic from the most reliable source I could find. All right, everybody comfy? So first, let's define the word abuse as a noun. Merriam-Webster has a few definitions and examples of abuse as a noun, four to be exact, and here they are. First, abuse is a corrupt practice or custom, as in the buying of votes and other election abuses. I swear this was the example in the dictionary, and I am not trying to politically charge any of y'all. The second definition states improper or excessive use or treatment, as in drug abuse. The third definition is language that condemns or vilifies, usually unjustly, intemperately, and angrily. Example, verbal abuse. Finally, abuse as a noun is defined as physical maltreatment. Examples, child abuse and sexual abuse. Okay, so this definition says to me that abuse is about power, offensive language, and physical attacks, all seemingly without provocation. That doesn't quite match up to my complete understanding of abuse. But then Merriam-Webster goes on to further define abuse as a verb four more times. Definition 1a, to put to a wrong or improper use. Here we can think in the context of an abuse of privilege or power. Definition 1b, to use excessively like drinking, but also to use without medical justifications, as in abusing painkillers. Second verb definition, to use or treat so as to injure or damage. Noted example, abused wife. And finally, the fourth definition of abuse as a verb states, to attack in words, like verbally abused the referee. Well, now that paints a much more rounded description of abuse, doesn't it? And just like all eight definitions of abuse above, it looks pretty messy. 
I'm going to try my absolute best to address the many ways abuse takes form. However, you know those rabbit holes we sometimes go down? Abuse is totally like that. So I will do my very best to keep us focused on the topic. Before intense therapy, I thought abuse was a severe word to be used only in the direst of contexts. In other words, we didn't talk about it. Because unless somebody had some physical proof on their body, it didn't happen. And if you did, you probably deserved it. Therefore, abuse did not exist in my vocabulary for a very long time. What I later learned is that abuse comes in many, many forms. If I had to choose, I would have chosen physical abuse over any of the other abuse categories. Side note, I will only speak on abuse topics I am personally familiar with. Okay, but how insane was that thought, people? I would take physical abuse over any of the others. Why would I take abuse at all? Because if you've been abused in any way, shape, or form, you probably didn't think twice. Because you'd understand that was just as natural a thought as breathing is. You know why? Bruises and marks will heal. Your heart, maybe not. When you're mentally, verbally, and emotionally abused, it feels like you're never going to heal. So I would rather have an injury that has a predetermined amount of time to heal, like a broken bone, than deal with a potentially lifelong impairment in emotional functioning, like my PTSD. Basically, just tell me how long this is going to hurt so I know how long I have to deal with it. I don't mind pain as long as I know it's temporary, but deadlines seem to only exist in taxes and reports not emotions. However, today, I am really starting to understand that I shouldn't have to choose which abuse I would rather endure at all. Because none of us should ever have to endure abuse, period. It should never be tolerated. And yet so many of us ignore or justify the red flags being thrown. But if we can't provide examples that depict abuse, then how will we know it's abuse? Don't worry, I got you covered with plenty of examples. Some may shock you, some probably obvious. But since the definitions above match my experience and my therapist tends to agree, I must, with some reluctance, admit that I have been abused. And also, I'm an abuser, according to the definitions. Because I'm a recovered alcoholic and drug addict. The truth hurts. The abused becoming the abuser. But don't worry. I'm going to walk right with you through this mess. And we can high five and hug it out at the end. Now, a little numerical data for you. These stats are cited by the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence website statistics page. You ready? An average of nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the U.S. So, in 12 months, over 10 million people are being physically hurt. Hello. That's a bit much, don't you think? On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. I wonder how many don't make the call. And only 34% of people who are injured by intimate partners actually received medical care for their injuries. I wonder the other 66% who did not receive care. Are they okay? Also cited was that one in five women 
and one in 71 men in the U.S. has been raped in their lifetime. Most of the victims knew their rapist. 19.3 million women and 5.1 million men in the U.S. have been stalked in their lifetime. Also, mostly by people they were acquainted with or current partner. Hmm. I see a pattern developing in the domestic violence abuse column. It appears this is happening because the abusers were trustworthy on some level to the victim. Isn't that disturbing to you? You are more likely to be abused by someone you trust. Why is that? Because otherwise it's just a random attack by a stranger. Or is there something more to it? Let's dig a little deeper into abuse by checking out the American Society for the Positive Care of Children's website. Their tab on child abuse statistics state 7.8 million children are involved in child abuse reports. People, kids should not hurt. 91.7% of victims are maltreated by one or both parents. Do you think those parents are just doing what their parents taught them? Because you know what? Another study stated that 80% of 21-year-olds that were abused as children all met at least one psychological disorder. Hashtag stop the cycle. 72,814 victims are physically abused and 41,124 victims are sexually abused. That's over 100,000 children that are being physically or sexually hurt. Now, how do you think those children will grow up to be like? That is, if they get to grow up. Because the same report also stated that almost five children die every day from abuse. Five. Five innocent children every damn day. Then there are the 15,605 victims that are psychologically maltreated. No wonder some of us grow up thinking abuse is normal. But let's delve into the psychological maltreatment and abuse area for a minute and see what that means and statistically what that looks like. According to the Ananias Foundation website under emotional abuse statistics, the survey was defined as acting angry in a way that seemed dangerous. It also included being called a loser or failure, insults, humiliation, or some form of coercive control. Their stats? 48.4% of women have experienced at least one form of psychological aggression by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And so have 48.8% of men. Did you realize that men could be abused by their intimate partners too? Abusers are not designated by gender. Now, Psychology Today's website defines emotional abuse as a pattern of behavior in which the abuser insults, humiliates, and generally instills fear in an individual in order to control them. Now we're getting to the heart of my experience, the invisible abuse that you might not even be aware of. Don't get me wrong, I've had my fair share of physical abuse. Like in high school, I got shoved up against the wall with my arms behind my back by this guy I was dating because I wouldn't kiss him. Um, early adulthood, I was dating this guy. He thought it was totally cool to drag me out of a public place by my hair. 
Another time, I had a screwdriver to my neck, backed up against a wall, while holding a baby during an argument. I've been kicked, chased, and punched, all by people I was very close to. One of my physical abusers was my oldest daughter. You heard me right. My oldest daughter. Let that sink in. Now, our situation is slightly different because she's mentally ill. But I wanted to speak about the fact that parents can and are abused by their children in many ways. As children or as adult children. I just want you to understand, parents are not off limits when it comes to abuse. When my daughter is in psychosis or her meds are off, she's verbally aggressive, physically violent, threatening. And at the end of the day, my life is absolutely in real danger. When she was eight years old, she chased after me with a steak knife because I told her no. She would scream at me, kick me in the stomach, punch me in the face, and in general, try to destroy me inside our home. My fiance actually saved me. She was trying to break my neck one day. Another time, she asked for a hug before I was leaving. And when she wrapped her arms around me, she shoved me up against my truck and squeezed as hard as she could to try to break my ribs. And then admitted it. Adults had to pull her off of me. Those same adults who pulled her off of me were the ones placing her in restraints so that I could leave the property safely until she could calm down. You see, there were command hallucination voices instructing my daughter to kill her mother, or they were going to kill her. She was just trying to survive her own terrifying experiences. She was 10 at the time. We didn't know she was hallucinating. We only bore the brunt of the behavior. When puberty came along, things got worse. And when I say worse, I mean unconscionable abuse and violence was happening. And then she was hospitalized at 12 years old. Diagnosis, schizophrenia, undifferentiated. Well, no effing wonder we couldn't help this kid. Nothing was stabilizing her because we were too focused on her autism spectrum disorder meltdown behavior. Yes, she has been diagnosed with autism as well. Highly functioning. But that's another episode for another day. I will tell you, though, that the meltdowns we experienced were very dangerous to all involved. So you can imagine adding schizophrenia into the mix. This was not helpful to the cause, people. Let me tell you. Four months later, she got another hospital stay. Homicidal and suicidal ideation. Three months after that, I, brokenhearted, voluntarily placed her outside of my home in a therapeutic facility because my life was at risk, physically and emotionally. I'm still talking about abuse people, so just stay with me. After two years of being out of the home, she returned, ill-prepared for transition, and was hospitalized again six months later at 16 years old. Trust me when I say the abuse of power by the mental health industry ran rampant, that was completely in full effect. Abuse of power. Three months later, my daughter returned home to just me. The danger was too great. 
and the chance of something going terribly wrong was practically a reality. So I temporarily moved her sister and my fiance out of my home because my oldest daughter was too dangerous to be around. I was the only one who would be able to handle her. We have identified since then that I am both target and trigger for my own daughter. While I am totally aware of her mental illnesses and am compassionate and understanding about all of it, I have to acknowledge that my trauma is because of the abusive patterns of her behaviors. Guys, listen, really listen. Nobody in the entire universe wants to admit that they've been abused by their kid. And even though I understand her motive and behavior and sickness, it still doesn't justify potentially losing my life. Now, we'll talk deeper about mental illness in another episode, but I wanted you to hear a difficult example of abuse that I was faced with that I didn't even think was really abuse. And the reality, I don't think of her as an abuser at all. But I know her mental illnesses can create an abusive pattern of behavior. So I know that was a lot to swallow, but we're going to move on to the next type of abuse. How about sexual abuse? My sexual abuse is more of a collection over my lifetime. Because while there was a pattern, there were times in which those people were no longer in our lives. So I was safe for a minute. But eventually a new perpetrator would show up and some form of sexual abuse would start all over again. There was a number of molestations and inappropriate touching incidents. My abusers range from first graders to adults. Age does not determine the abuser or the victim. I was gang raped at 17 years old. My boyfriend offered me up to his buddies. I had an attempted rape by a security guard at one of my jobs. I thought we were really good friends. Now, while these individual experiences are not abusive by definition, because there's not a pattern in these rape and attempted rape, um, I can't help wonder how much psychological abuse was occurring prior to their physical attempts at their abuse of power. By now, I'm sure you don't think for one minute that my childhood escaped any of the abuse areas we have discussed, physically, sexually, or psychologically. So trust me when I say I was sexually molested, psychologically abused, physically abused, and raped on some level from the age of four years old until about 35. I was slapped across the face, thrown across my bedroom, choked over the kitchen sink, charged at with blind rage, called every name in the book, and punished in silence for days at a time. Everything was always my fault. And when I say everything, I mean like if the world fails, it will be my fault because I messed up somehow. And since nobody ever clearly defined my role in the world ever, you can guarantee I messed up a lot. I was somehow supposed to magically know everything, like mind reading included, since the day I was born. Otherwise, I was a failure. If anyone is unhappy or upset, well, that's my fault too whether I am present or not. How is that possible, you ask? Let me tell you. It's my job to make sure you aren't any of that negativity business. Because if certain people are exposed to your negativity, well, there just may be hell to pay. 
And damn it, I've had enough punishments for someone else's behavior and actions. I somehow grew up thinking that I was responsible for everything and everyone. So if I didn't make sure it was smooth sailing for certain people, I knew it turned out badly for me. I was fully aware of the consequences, and there were many. But none instilled fear in me like thinking that this time they might get so mad at me that I'm actually going to die. That psychological abuse, people. Are you hearing me? But let's talk about the one event that set up my whole life cycle of abusive relationships and traumatizing lifestyle. I was four years old and somebody had done something bad to me. Someone I knew. So I did what every scared little kid does. Ran to my mom for help. Only she didn't help me. She called me a liar. And we never spoke of it again. Lesson learned. I had nobody to protect me. Not even my mom. Bonus lesson. Never tell anyone that you've been hurt or scared ever again. So, the statistics that I talked about earlier, let's revisit a few. I was one of the 20 people per minute that are physically abused by an intimate partner in the U.S. Daily, there are 20,000 phone calls placed to the hotlines nationwide. I never made one call to anyone. And the 34% of people who are injured by intimate partners that actually received medical care for their injuries, I was not one of them. I did not ever think to receive medical care. I was also the one in five women in the U.S. that has been raped in their lifetime, and I knew every single one of them. I was one of the 19.3 million women in the U.S. that has been stalked in their lifetime, a couple of times actually, and by people I was acquainted with or a current partner. Check, check, and check. Now, what about that abuse of power I mentioned way back in the beginning? I had a teacher who would make derogatory remarks about my abilities or physique, during every single class. I just laughed and played it off so that I got an A. One of my many bosses in my late teenage years would inappropriately touch me at the end of my shift. I was one of his favorite employees. It was how I kept my job. An educational institution threatened my ability to place my child in the least restrictive learning environment. I was set up to lose everything just because I chose a different learning environment. A few mental health agencies have filed many and threatened to file many more cases against me for neglect and abandonment of my mentally ill child because I refuse to put myself in a dangerous situation. I survived my abuse thus far. And yeah, the people I trusted most are the ones who scarred me for life. Betrayal? is a painful lesson in humanity. So, I'm curious, have you ever been abused? Or do you maybe know someone who has, or is currently abused? Remember guys, abuse of substance is still abuse. Making people feel like they don't matter day in and day out is abuse. Punishing someone in silence when you're angry for days on end, also abuse. Neglect is a form of abuse, if not straight up abuse. Having sex with your partner when you don't want to, you guessed it, abuse. People threatening your safety or livelihood, clearly abuse. Threatening to kill yourself in an attempt to control someone else's behavior, unfortunately, still abuse. Here's the thing and why I said what I did about my preference for physical abuse over psychological and emotional abuse. 
I still feel all those emotions that I kept locked inside for decades. The physical abuse I received, not one scar can I point to, making it easier to forget that I was abused at all. Isn't that convenient? The psychological abuse, well, it was so deep that I didn't even know I was a victim of any form of abuse. I really thought I deserved all of it. Every bad thing that ever happened to me. I actually believed I was just an awful person who ruined people's lives. Welcome to the inside of my dysfunctional, abused brain. Only recently am I coming to grips with being able to say the words victim, abuse, abuser, rape, and survivor without cringing. Because I still can have a hard time understanding that my past experience was actually abuse. I thought all of it was normal. And if it wasn't normal, then the abuse was mostly like my fault. This is called conditioning. I'm currently changing what I call the narrative or the tapes inside my head. Reconditioning myself, if you will. Because that original information is all bullshit. That information was given to me by abusive people. Hello? Trying to break a cycle here. So I maintain my therapy appointments whether I want to or not. I constantly am learning new ways to think and feel. My perception of life up until this point is becoming more real than fantasy. And I cannot tell you how differently I think about people's behavior and events these days. Knowing the truth, objectively, has been difficult and painful. But a journey that will ultimately bring a little bit of peace to my soul. All right. So you guys feeling pretty good after this conversation? Maybe not. But you know what? I'm glad we had it. It's important. It's necessary. It's how we connect one soul to another. And by the way, if you're even thinking that something might be abusive, you're probably right. And if you're like me, you damn sure don't want to admit it. I hear you. Really, I do. But trust me when I say that we are only as sick as our secrets. Think about that. If we want to be healthy, well-adjusted human beings that are productive members of society, then we must take a look at why we think certain behaviors are okay. While we are busy taking other people's inventory, it might be well to look at our own. Are we abusers? Do we understand the impact our words and actions have on people? Or are we more concerned about what works for us as an individual? I don't have many tips on preventing physical abuse, but I can give you a few tips that you can start using today in combating psychological and emotional abuse. Change your wording with the people you love. Like if you have kids, please don't tell them to be good boys and girls when you drop them off at school or babysitter or family member's house. Abusers love using that statement to keep their victims quiet. Instead, try telling your kids to be safe and make good choices. And hopefully, they can avoid sexual abuse as a child. When you speak to your family, friends, and coworkers about their undesirable behavior, be very clear that it is their actions that have upset you I love my people, but sometimes I don't agree with them. So I remind them that they are really good people who made decisions I didn't agree with. 
doesn't make them a bad person. Because if you don't distinguish the behavior from the person, you do run the risk of your people internalizing that they're a bad human. Do you really want that sticking in someone's head? Of course not. The same could be said for you adults. Change your words. Think before you speak. Do not react. Pause when agitated. Restraint of pen and text. Say what you mean. And more importantly, mean what you say. Really think about the words that come out of your mouth or in text or in email or on social media. Because your words will mean something to somebody. And do you really want to perpetuate the victimization some of us have experienced? I hope not. So, people, this episode, chock full of info, right? I almost thought I was going to have to do a two-part series on this gig because it's so much to talk about. But I wanted to share it with you so that maybe you won't have to experience what I have. Or somebody can share what they've experienced with you. Or we can all help the next generation be better humans before they take over the planet. So next week's topic is going to be about addiction. I'll confess, not my favorite topic, nor the best part of me. But per usual, we're going to talk about it. Alrighty, my lovely listeners. I wish you all the good vibes this universe has to offer and look forward to seeing you tuning in next week. Thanks again for listening. Peace, blessings, love, light, and hugs. Marianne.